Welcome to the culture of safety. Is that too much of a pause? Yeah, a little <laughs> bit too much there. Didn't we do that last week? Or was that the week before? Yeah, but your pause is getting longer and... More dramatic? More interesting? Mm, no? Maybe. But they're like, oh, the culture of what? I don't know. And they're like, oh, safety. Okay, good. I'm on the right podcast. <laughs> because there's a, the culture of something else? Yeah, I don't know. I don't listen to other crappy podcasts. There is other... I'm sure there's other ones with culture in them that aren't talking about safety. Well, I know that there's no other ones that have culture in it that talk about safety. Uh, I don't know about that. I know that. there's like four. No, there's more than four. And don't listen to them. There's actually... You don't listen to that. You hear that, people? You don't more listen more. to other more safety more podcasts. And I don't... Uh, Unless you're ready to go to bed. Go ahead and listen to all the safety podcasts you want as long as you're listening to ours first or as well. I'm good with it. Right. Sounds good. We only have so many episodes, so they're just not going to put it on. I mean, sure. actually, if you want to put it on repeat, I'm good actually, with that, I've, too. I've had a bunch of people reach out to me and tell me that they've, they've blown through all of them in a week. I'm like, that's like... Like almost 24 hours, like literally a day, almost a day of full. It just depends, man. If you're like, if you're a commute, like when I used to drive uh, like four hours a day of commute, plus my work was driving a lot, it's pretty easy to get some podcasts on. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm all about podcasts. I have probably like 15 different podcasts that I listen to, but I can only do so much because once, once I get to a certain point, you know, that, that, that point of diminishing returns most of that stuff just falls off and I don't remember it. You know, I have, I need time to sit down and, and absorb the information. So usually if I'm driving, it's usually about an hour, I'll get one in. And then if I go home, another one in, or like today I drove like two and a half hours to Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. you know, I listened to a couple, but I didn't listen to anything back because I would, I'm, I'm understanding that I would really? get overloaded. And then all, most of that information would just kind of just dissolve. Hmm. So I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. You know what? I, uh, why I started listening to podcasts because when I would listen to music, I would like do that thing where you kind of zone out sometimes, especially if you know you've been waking up at four or three every day to drive mm -hmm. early to work. And podcasts, they keep me like more alert. Yeah, they keep you interested because I'm thinking about things that they're saying. And so I'm just more awake and more alert in general. Yeah. And that's why I You're just con conscious. I'll continuously listen to podcasts no matter how long I think or what I just drove to Arizona. It's like seven and a half yeah, hours. No thanks, bro. Podcast all the way there. Podcast all the way back. Yeah. You just listen to our podcast to get their numbers up? No. You got to pump those numbers up, boy. Uh, I think I, I have occasionally listened to our podcast, but I mean, Actually, I've already heard them. So. I've, I've been listening to them. I haven't listened to them for a while. And I kind of go back and say, okay, you know, look for rooms of, a room for improvement mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, so, again, we're, we're on season, I guess, season one, because last season was season zero. We're finishing up the last couple of episodes of where, where we're focusing on um, kind of entry-level safety, right? Yes, entry-level safety. We want to help all those people because we've been getting a lot of emails. Hey, how do I get my foot in the door? And once once I'm in, what do I need to learn? And how do I get better? And, you know, the first, the first episode we kind of did was about skills. You know, what type of skills should you, you know, put on your resume? Or what kind of skills should you build if you're not in? And you're trying to get in or if you are in what skills that you were going to definitely need to, you know, hone, you know, to build a nice foundation for yourself as you move up, up the ladder. And I think today will be a good one is knowledge. And I know I know a lot of people have trouble in this arena because unfortunately in safety, there's so much that you have to know, you know, from, you know, incident management to accident investigation and hazard identification and mitigation and hierarchy of, of controls. Um, accident causation, you know, theories and man, just, there's just so much that, you know, I, we expect from our, our low level tech guys. And obviously you're not going to know everything in the beginning, but definitely this, you're not going to know anything, everything ever. You're never going to know everything ever, but I mean, it gives you a good guide 
to kind of look at, okay, what, what do I need to study or learn to kind of hone and, and soften those edges to make myself more well-rounded. So, I mean, yeah, getting into it, definitely, I would say the first one would be, you know, accident causation and how accidents occur, right? Not just with like vehicle accidents, but, you know, cumulative trauma, like MSDs, musculoskeletal disorders, um, understanding what, what can affect uh, an employee's health. You know, I see that a lot time in the field is employees don't really like take a first aid class. You know what I mean? And understand, you know, basic work uh, environments, hot, cold, um, understand how people working for too long and not taking breaks and blood sugar, how all this stuff affects employees. Because there is a lot of times where, you know, if it's not just, okay, I got a cut or uh, I smashed my finger. If it's a, you know, what we call medical um, issues, a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people stumble in that arena. And, and, you know, I think we've alluded to this before is it can get out of hand quickly. And, and unfortunately in the medical world, you're more likely to get the recordables because they now need to give medications for, to reverse whatever's going on. Yeah. One thing that I think really helped me in the beginning of my career was I went and I became an EMT. I'm not, I'm not saying every safety guy should be an EMT, right. but I am. I got, I think <laughs> I, I kind of lucked out a little bit because in my company, I was the only person that was an EMT. Yeah. So it, it kind of, it didn't force other, the other guys, even the, like even my manager, he, if an incident occurred and he knew it was like some kind of injury, he would ask me to go over there because he wants me to help assess how bad is it? Right. Like, uh, what, what do I think the outcome is going to be? Even though I'm not a doctor, right. but, but I have, have some basic, some basic knowledge. knowledge. Yeah. And it, it's really helped, uh, me handle a lot of incidents. I think better than if I didn't ever have that training initially. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed a lot of, there's a higher demand for that. Now I know a lot of larger companies are starting to ask their, their techs and mid-level employees to get their EMTs because they're seeing the value in the field. Although I will come out with a disclaimer because when I, I came from the EMT world to safety mm -hmm. and there was that, um, that's not say stigma, but there was that, that ideology where, Oh, you're an EMT. You know a lot about safety. And of course now I'm like, completely dude, different, way different. Yes. I do know how to manage an injury and yeah, I know how to manage, you know, medical problems, but accident causation and all these other things that we're going to be talking about, man, I had no idea. Even the post stuff like medical management on yeah. when you're with the doctor and trying to figure out what's recordable, what's not recordable, how to handle yeah, things. I just drop people off. Here you go. Yeah. When you're an EMT, your you're not, we're not worried about that stuff. Mm -hmm. You're worried about whatever, fixing this person. Right. But I will, I will give, you know, people that have an EMT and get the safety portion. They're a lot stronger because when they go to the doctor, they can, you know, obviously they can relate a little bit better and they can challenge. That's one thing that I can say that I have my experience in the EMT world. I, I tend to challenge the doctors on a lot more things and a lot higher levels because I know what's really going on. I understand, you know, okay, well, if this guy's doing this, this, and this, wait, these symptoms don't match what he's saying. You know what I mean? So it's, it's easier for me to make that, that conversation again, speaking the language of the medical professionals, knowing your audience, knowing your <laughs> audience, right? If you go in there and you're like, I don't think so, doc, I, you know, and I've, I've had, I wouldn't say arguments, but I have, I've had conversations with, you know, multiple people within the company. It's like, you know what, doc, I'm not challenging you, but I think that we can do this or maybe we can do something else. You know, I'm trying to avoid the recordable while still taking, taking care of my employee. 
you know, I'm trying to reach that range. And sometimes you lose. You're like, oh, you know what, Joe? Well, because this isn't this, we, we have to we have to give him medication. Hey, that's fine. As long as at the end of the day, we still have that relationship and that bond and we're able to still communicate properly. Um, one thing I would always, you know, advocate for, I mean, there's especially in safety, there's no useless knowledge. You know, especially we talk about all these people that are starting to listen to our podcast. They're asking, well, I'm a sales guy or I'm doing psychology or I do this and I do that. I want to get into safety. I'm like, bro, I think that's that's awesome. Everything translates over. I I'm I have found almost every single different other industry can relate to safety in some way, some way or somehow. I, I completely agree. And you might not have all the aspects of safety coming from sales or from, or having a background in psychology, right? but you're going to be very strong in one aspect of safety because it's yeah. going to help you somewhere. Yeah. You're going to be able to identify just whatever it is that you're really good at. And like, Hey, I, I recognize this. Yeah. Like I said, we need to round out your other sides, but yep. you got that down and that's great. And a lot yep. of times those skills are, are in high demand. Um, I would say one thing that is more new that I've been seeing a lot of issues lately with some of my clients is stress. Um, identifying stress and fatigue while at work, because I've seen people, you know, we, we talked about this before falling asleep and being tired and having accidents while sleepy. And then also, you know, having a lot of stress in the workplace. And I have seen people actually go on like disability because of high levels of stress. So, um, definitely understanding how the workplace environment impacts the employee. That's, that's very key. That's something that I think takes, you know, probably like a lifetime to learn. But just being able to understand when you put somebody into, you know, a hot environment or a cold environment or a wet environment, you know, wind, even small changes in the weather over a period of, you know, a couple of hours can completely change, you know, how we, we do safety. So it's important for us to understand that. And then the risk that goes along with it. Right. And we're not talking about risk as in, OK, you know, we're talking about the Matrix, talking about, you know, the movie. Uh, yeah, the one with the the guy, the Keanu Reeves guy. <laughs> he like shoots bullets and he's like dodging, and he like bends backwards. He like bends backwards. He like like pauses bullets. Pauses. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like understanding risk matrix and how to use them. I think that's another one too, because oftentimes, what there's, I mean, there's a billion different hazards in the job place, mm -hmm. right? And each job site can have you know different ones from different ones. So what do we go after first, right? And this is where the risk matrix come in where we go, okay, well, what's going to kill people and what's going to maim them and what's going to, you know, just barely injure them and what's going to give them like a paper cut, right? So we try to eliminate all the big hitters first and then we go after the ones that are obviously less common. So you're kind of talking severe. about using like a prob probability and severity matrix. Yes. That it's you can, matrix. yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many different types because i've heard people call them like a hazard analysis yeah jhas and, and, and ops and god well not so much like a jsa or something but no, i've seen i've seen a risk matrix be called a jsa i've seen risk matrices built in yeah. with risk matrices because i guess it'd be matrices built in but yeah but i just matrix wanted to size. make sure you're saying risk matrix but we're supposed to be talking to people that are newer to safety when we're talking about that we're talking about the a probability and the that's severity. determining, yeah, probability and severity yeah. and the outcome of an incident, or uh, if something were to occur with this hazard, how how, how bad would it how, be? How bad would and it be? And what's the likelihood? Right, and and how often would it be? In the, usually, it's like what cost? It's like cost, input, uh, company image, like like um like profitability. Like if we have this kind of accident, we'll be put on like a customer concern list. We'll lose the ability to bid and that kind of stuff. There's so. there's so many different ways to break it down. Like I've seen really really elaborate like process hazard analysis mm -hmm. where they used 
those types of things like uh and not just that like cost exposure to the public yep uh per, like company assets all those things yeah. that you're saying there's there's so many different ways to do it and i've seen some of those matrices or matrices get like you they're like one to 10 three by 10 or one to 10 or one to 50 and it just starts getting insane yeah i have seen some of those like i said i've, I've even seen one of those as that's what their jsa was you mm -hmm. would just go and you put the hazard your your three main hazards and the probability of those injuries and then you put like a, like a little line like maybe like three fingers long a line what how are you going to mitigate this yep. oh uh danger tape our oh. very first jsa when i was uh started in the field that's what it was it was hazard okay now do your how likely and what's the severity yeah and then mitigation and now what's the new likelihood and new severity oh so you guys and, did the double i've seen that too and if you didn't bring it down below a certain level yeah then you have to go like a supervisor you have to stop work yeah did, uh did you by chance put that on like a, a stone tablet or <laughs> no it was on paper uh, okay back in the day back in the day i'm not even that old i know but <laughs> they don't know that most Whatever. of these people don't know how old you are he's like 80 guys yeah right he just looks like it um, so, I mean, the, the easiest one is hazards, right? Understanding hazards. And that's a big one for obviously a lot of different people, but understanding how to, how to do a hazard hunt or hazard analysis, and then understanding the hierarchy of controls, right? Definitely. If you don't know the hierarchy of controls, we have an episode on that. Listen to it. It's very important. Um, especially when we come, we talk about as professionals, we talk to each other, you know, I, I've seen it where oftentimes when I'm posting on Reddit, I have to go back and say, hold on. We're yes, we're talking about PPE and I and we're yes, we're talking about, you know, the higher controls. All those are are in play, but you know, I'm making the assumption that those aren't gonna work. So we're gonna go here to this spot. And so sometimes I kind of have to like backtrack, like, yes, I understand that we have to put you know, prevention through design and elimination and substitution and guarding and all that fun stuff. Protect yourself from the alligator. But I'm specifically saying this PPE or that PPE or these types of PPE or this type of PPE. Oh, you need to have, I'm like, yes, I, I understand you need to put a guard in place. I get that. I understand. Trust me. I know. Yeah, for sure. I know we did a whole episode on it, a but I want episode. To, I, it was actually pretty informative. I like that one. I wanted to make sure that we we definitely hit on that in this episode because that's one thing that I did not learn. It wasn't taught to me by the person that mentored me. Yeah. In the beginning, I actually didn't learn it learn it in probably till like four years into safety. Yeah, I, I went I had to go to school to learn that. When I switched to a new company, and then I actually had a good mentor, you know, that had some. Some was, actual knowledge. Yeah, he was like a, he was some of the things CHS, that we're actually talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, he was a little bit more knowledgeable in actual safety stuff, not just somebody that got brought up from the field. Not that right. that's always bad, but uh, he was able to teach me a little bit more of like the actual theories and stuff behind safety. That's when I started learning about Heinrich's triangle and right all those other things. But I really wish that I would have learned and used hierarchy of control better earlier in my career because it's really now in my career we base a lot of stuff off of that. Like every yeah. time we're doing a hazard analysis or something, we are looking at. Every time we do an incident investigation, every time we do a lot of things. Yeah, we talk about that in our accident investigation. It comes into play. Into our, into our slides. Yeah, it's it's great and it's it's effective and it helps everybody understand like, hey, you know, this wasn't just like we, oh, we just told us PPE. No, we actually thought about everything and, you know, the ability and the feasibility of us using these types of things. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't it doesn't end up like that. But, yeah, it's. It's important. Definitely, if you don't understand hierarchy of controls, don't just look it up and go, go back okay, and listen to our things, episode. But go in and truly understand how to implement these things. And if and if you are the the person that knows it and other people don't, you know, educate them. Like, well, look, you know, OSHA tells this, this, and this, and it's it's really important for us as as safety professionals 
to understand the hazards and how to mitigate them and how to lower lower the risk for our employees, right? Because the lower the risk, the lower chance of them getting hurt. And then obviously the less severe, uh, severe that their injuries could, can become. So, but yeah, understand like mechanisms of injury, um, obviously like sledgehammers and, you know, tools, you know, how those can af- in, uh, affect workers, how, you know, obviously how the, how they would damage them. Um, and then of course, how to mitigate that if it use PPE or administrative controls and stuff like that. Um, uh, of course, we talked a little bit about controls or mitigation already. Uh, I cannot, I cannot emphasize enough that we need to understand things like guards. I know that's something that I've seen, you know, quite a bit in my my experience is people taking off guards and leaving them or leaving like a hazard on the job site. And I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of people didn't know that ANSI actually states that. Uh, danger tape and caution tape can be used as a guard. And I believe if you, if it's, if it's a hazard, right, you have to have caution, right? You talk about the severity of injury, mm-hmm. but if it's danger, you're allowed one, like one crossing of, of danger tape. Right. And I usually a diagonal saying, Hey, you're able to cross this. If you understand the hazard and you're allowed to be in there. So let's say scaffolding, right? Scaffolding. If they're three feet up, Right. You're going to put a, dang- uh, a caution tape because, you know, the, the impact of a hammer falling three feet is not going to be that big. But if we're building a scaffolding 100 feet high, right, we would want danger tape. Most of the time they're going to do an exclusion zone. So they're going to put danger tape in an X. You have to create a full X across the entry area. And that's supposed to say no one's allowed in there, no matter what. Only people that, you know, are building the scaffolding are, are in there. And I've had to get into a couple of arguments where. People were like, no, you can't do that. And this isn't this. And like danger tape is as allowed to be a guard, but understanding how to properly apply it is very important because people, you, you know, as well as I do, people walk through this stuff. They don't care. <laughs> oh, yellow danger tape. Okay. Well, that means I'm cool. Right? No, you still need to understand the hazard. Danger tape's even worse. I tell people all the time, never cross danger tape. Right. Unless you're, I always say, I always give us the, you know, the benefit of the doubt because all we're safety people, like unless you're a safety person, you're not allowed to cross danger tape. Right. Or you're, you're actually tasked with the job. Right. So technically you shouldn't be leaving your job site if you have danger tape, but danger tape your job site and keep everybody out. Right. Obviously the safety guy needs to go in there. He should in theory, understand the hazards. Even, even me though, like if I go to a job site and there's danger tape up, I'm not going to just walk in. Right, I'm right, usually right. going to wait right. and figure out, okay, hold on. What's going what's on going here? What's going on? Let me do an assessment. Let me see. <laughs> I don't want to just walk in and, and assume that I know what's going to happen or that I know what's going on. Cause maybe there's something I don't know that's going right. on. And that's, that's another thing too, is when you're talking with your, your people, hopefully you're doing meet and greet, you should never be surprised by the hazards. Right. And I think I've seen that a lot where, where they're explaining the hazards to me. Oh yeah. You know, we're buffing and grinding. I'm like, bro, I know the hazards of buffing and grinding. You don't got to give me the whole spiel. Just, oh yeah, this is what we're doing. Okay. So you guys are following the rules. Yeah, that's it. I don't need the whole spiel of you telling me the three hour tour of the different types of hazards and how you mitigate them. I can see, I have eyes. Trust me. I'm knowledgeable. Uh-huh. Mm, debatable um yeah anyway uh definitely you know when we talk about the different hierarchy of controls we talk about guards we talk about elimination of course you know those are the two hardest ones to get but i would say the most difficult one that you're going to find is probably administrative controls understand how to thoroughly implement audit and fix administrative controls 
So understanding like what type of licenses a crane operator is supposed to have or, you know, to operate certain pieces of equipment. I think we talked about it before when a boss, one of my bosses and I got into an argument over, you know, vehicle weight displacement. Oh, well, they need to have a class A for this. Well, that's weird because the California Department of Motor Vehicles says they don't. Well, no, it's it's an industry wide. I'm like, that's weird because our company policy says class B. Right. It's it's understanding the different types of licenses and permits and certifications that you have to have in order to do certain things. Right. Especially nowadays, if you're working in construction, understand all of the environmental stuff, the EIRs and the uh, the environmental impact reports um, in endangered animal zones and all that stuff, because. Right now, there's huge fines. I mean, we live in California, so that's that's granted. But a lot of other places, maybe not so so strict. But anywhere you put new construction, you know, we have to have an environmental impact report. We had a you know a guest on with the with the county. He explained a lot about that and how the process works and and how complex it can really get depending on what you're doing and where you're doing it. So understand those because you're gonna have a lot of employees, especially if you're dealing with you know welders. Or equipment operators, they can be sometimes very clumsy. And so it's very important that we're watching those, you know, those little burrowing owl, you know, nests. Or um, here in Kern County, we have the blunt-nosed leopard lizard, right? There's a lot of endangered animals all around. And all it takes is for one, you know, they call it a take. Maybe we should do an mm-hmm. episode on that. Um, one take, and then you lose your permit. And now, now your construction's halted for six weeks to six months. And I've been there a couple of times um, offshore when uh, Bessie, it's a a regulatory Mm -hmm. company for um, offshore uh, or regulatory body for offshore platforms, went out there and they're like, oh, hey, you have, it was a, uh, um, some kind of a hawk that made a nest in there and we didn't know about it. It was actually on a crane. It was in the, the trellis of the crane. Guess what we couldn't use for eight months (laughs) yeah you had they're like you know you cannot move it and naturally leave and they actually sat there and they literally calculated the direction took pictures of all sides and they said if this moves even more than one degree you guys we're have to shut your platform down for the duration of this endangered species um you know nesting period and i was like so let me just say we completely disconnected well that i didn't but the the platform completely disconnected all power to it and made sure that no one would could forcibly go in there. They put a whole lockout tag. I say no one is allowed to use this. So it can be it can be pretty crazy understanding all the different aspects and all the different tools, right? Depending on where you're at, all the different tools that that may be used and understanding how SOPs and all this stuff affects all that. Um, I don't know about you, but I think the biggest one for me, every safety guy should know lockout tag out. You should be a SME subject matter expert. If you don't know lockout tag out, learn. Is the most important thing. You know, I, I think you and I have had experiences where people almost die mm-hmm. and it's literally like that. It's it. I mean, we can go, oh, you didn't follow SOP to the T or you didn't do this. Cool. But if you don't do lockout tagout right, you know, you're going to die Yep. or, or if not get severely injured. So I would, I would, yeah, I would completely agree. I was going to say, I mean, uh, I keep thinking about that email we got the other day where we, he said we focus a lot on oil and gas, but 
Um, I think it really matters on the industry you're in. Realize the industry you're in and then figure out kind of where you need to focus. But I think you're right. Lockout, tagout, it doesn't really matter what industry you're yeah, in. You're probably going to deal with some and, form. And I mean, of course, we talk about oil and gas, but it doesn't have to be that. It has to be anything, you know, mechanics, electricians, obviously, automation. Um, there's everything. Literally, I can probably name at least 15 different industries where lockout, tagout, either someone got killed. Or someone got severely injured because, you know, they were working on a machine and it turned on or they had, you know, built up pressure or heat and stuff like that. It gets it gets out of hand pretty even quickly. in even in industries where you're not doing lockout tagout every day. That's probably when you need to understand lockout tagout the most because it's those it's those industries where you're doing it occasionally for like something, some machinery that goes down or needs to get maintenance. And then that's when incidents can happen. Say, also, I would say if you're, you know, any type of a person that likes to, you know, you're very handy. That's something you would need to know because working on your house, mm -hmm. you know, I have a, a great incident where I was working on my sister's house and I had explicitly told her, hey, don't touch this wire. It's just the wire sticking out. It was hot. Told her, don't touch it. Guess what she did? She I mean, it was only 210, so it wasn't that bad. But obviously everybody has a different pain threshold, but she was crying in the room for like four hours. And then she always, it's funny because she always brings it back. And I remember she, we were, we were video chatting recently and she goes, Oh yeah, well at least I don't leave hot electrical wires sticking out. So yeah, you know, my, my sister can touch it and get shocked. I was like, yeah, it's called lockout tag. I should look into it. And her, and actually her husband um, was on their show. He just started laughing. I was like, I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> you know, lockout tag is really important, especially in your house, you know, working on your electrical in your house is mm -hmm. can be very dangerous. So, yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be industry specific. It can be even at your house. So um, computers, I'll be honest with you. My first lockout tagout was actually within computers because, you know, when you have, you remember you have that big power box, you know, I'm talking, you know, I'm dating myself, but desktops, you have that big, you know, power, power supply in your, in your um, computer. And if you don't ground that out and you grab that charge and you start touching your motherboard, you can fry it. Uh, I think I learned that the hard way one time when I was first learning how to build computers, I didn't, I didn't, uh, ground myself to the, um, to the power supply and I had a, you know, it was very static. I had a different charge. I started touching things and I actually ended up frying, frying part of the mother motherboard. And I mean, at the time I was, I was building like a cheapy one. I was just learning the process, which is smart. Cause you don't use, you know, $1,200 motherboards to learn mm -hmm. on, but yeah, it happens. It happens a lot. And I worked at a hotel, you know. They do lockout tag out at the hotel? Yeah. You do maintenance on all the stuff. Oh, hey, you need to go to, you know, this room has um, a problem with its, you know, bal uh, baluster um, on this on this chain light. Oh, okay, cool. Well, you know how to do lockout tag out? Yeah. And we go and we do lockout tag out and they have a whole box and everything. And they have a, a class. And that was probably like the first time I actually learned lockout tag out, like through a class was through the hotel. Another completely different industry where lockout tagouts needed. That's pretty crazy. I yeah. wouldn't even think about a hotel. I mean, we, I don't really deal with hotels, so I wouldn't think about a hotel having lockout tagout. But of course, if you're going to do some kind of maintenance on anything, you're yeah. probably going to have a lockout tagout. Yeah, the program. maintenance guys go out there and they do the. I mean, it's not like high level. We're working on like yeah. refrigeration units or ACs, but I mean, definitely stuff that's in the wall. Oh, hey, well, this you know this coax isn't working. Okay, well, I have to go and fish it out and check the wires and stuff like that. So, I'm making sure we do lockout tagout on that kind of stuff. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, definitely. I'm, I don't know how you feel about, you know, incident management. I think that's something that I would definitely have, you know, a mentor for. I mean, I, I know that a lot of times new employees don't have that ability. They don't have somebody above them or a manager 
or even a mid-level safety professional above them that can show them. But I mean, if you're the one that's in charge, definitely understand the process. Or if you don't uh, try to learn it because it can be, it can, like we talked about many ways, it can go sideways very quickly. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Do you think that that's like a, a, a necessary skill that they should go in before? No. Or that's something that, you know, I mean, I know for I think, your process, you have mentors and you you oversee it. Yeah. But I mean, we have to consider a lot of companies don't have that ability. They don't have, you know, safety, right. safety teams. It's either one person and he's either like the manager slash saying. tech. Yep. I've met people where literally like they have no safety experience at all. And they just got hired for this smaller company. And yeah. now they're running. They're, they're, they're running. One, they're doing the best they running can. Running all safety. of the everything that has to do with environmental health and safety. They are now in charge of it. Yeah. And so I get what you're saying in that situation. I mean, sorry, it kind of sucks to be you. It does. But, but they hey, definitely need resources. A, you got to start. Yeah. That's definitely something you need to start learning is uh, incident management, uh, how to deal with like how, pretty much everything. Like you're saying, how to deal with an incident, what's considered recordable, what am I allowed to legally do right. with the doctor? Uh, like, you know, all understand of that the stuff. process, understand, you know. It it never just ends at at the at the job site. You got to remember, a lot of times you're gonna have to deal with customers. You know that that can be that can be a skill in itself is understanding how to how to report an injury to a customer. Like we said before, the soft skills. You know, using the right words, not crash, but you know, traded paint. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, that's I think those are things you can learn over time yes. with experience. But yeah, you'll 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 learn from the reactions of your of your customer. I'm sorry, what happened? They they crashed. Crashed, huh? They slammed. Catastrophic. Uh... Catastrophic failure. <laughs> what do you mean, catastrophic failure? <laughs> like doom and gloom. Like, is everybody alive? Like, yes, yes, everybody's alive. Do they all have their hands and feet? Yes. Wait. What do you mean, wait? <laughs> yes. Um, decision making. We talked about this kind of a little bit before. Is you know when we make decisions, make sure that they're they're based on regulations. You know what I hate to say that we should be focused on regulations. We shouldn't. We should go above and beyond. That's the culture we want to build. We don't want to build just a, well, it's, it's a regulation. And, you know, in my consulting, I don't, I don't like to refer to, um, to regulations. I feel like if I'm quoting a regulation, then I'm doing my, my, my business, my consultancy, my profession, Your and customer. my employees a disservice because it's now it's like, okay, well, we're just gonna do the bare minimum, you know? Oh, well, OSHA says this. I don't care what OSHA says. We're going to do above OSHA. Why? Cause when they come in, they're like, Oh yeah, we say this, but you're you're at this. Okay, cool. And yeah, uh, yeah, regulation. Understand them, know them, understand why they're there and how how these things work. I know that a lot of people have the problem with the Pam Pam thing. Pam, you know, it's with got the two M's. N? It, it, no, it's got two M's. Um, construction, general industry. Mm -hmm. Understand when they apply and when they don't apply. I've had many people go, oh, well, they're above four feet. I'm like, yes, but they're in construction. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're right, because technically in Kalosha, which we fall under, is seven and a half feet. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, you didn't know that? Like, uh, uh, no. I'm like, no, the regulations. Understand. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't follow them to a T, of course. But understand how to apply them. And that gives you leverage when you're making a decision how to apply it, right? Yeah, you know what? We're having a lot of injuries at six feet or more. Hey, maybe we should tuck it down to five feet, right? Fall protection at five feet instead. Whatever your company is going through, remember, we're trying to make a better safety culture, 
a better safety environment. We're not just going, okay, well, OSHA says this, so that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like it's kind of like saying, hey, Matt, don't go around stabbing people, and now you're a great guy. That's that's all. Why is Matt great? Because he doesn't stab people. Cool. That's what the law says. Don't yeah, stab people. Right? Matt's a great guy because he doesn't stab people. I'm like, no, I think, I think it takes more than just that. So definitely do research if you don't know if you don't know the different regulations for your your processes learn them understand them and understand too that a lot of them don't even have to do with osha you know as well as i do a lot of it has to do with environmental so you have to go and get knowledge in the environmental side and some of it has to do with qa qc um dot there's so many regulatory bodies that you might have to yeah it's not just osha it can be 10 or 15 different, you know, government bodies, Bessie, mm-hmm. F- uh, you know, I already said it, you know, um, FMSCEA. No, FMSC, <laughs> Dude, I hate that one so much. I it's a federal motor, federal motor carrier, carrier safety administration. Safety. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Or as you're in EMT, the NH- NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of government bodies that can oversee what you do. So it's important to understand Get books. I honestly, for a hot tip, if you guys don't know where to look, I mean, you can go online all day. Um, Mancom, M A N C O M M, has two M's, Pem and Pen. Um, it's great. I, I actually have about four or five of their books, and I have a Kyle OSHA book, and I have a Fed OSHA book, and then I have both construction and general industry. The only problem is, is you know, they are good thick books, and they have the diversity of all the industries that you need, even things like like Six Flags, like roller coasters they even have all that stuff um i applied to be a safety guy there yeah no they probably don't make a lot of money <laughs> probably not yeah i was i was thinking about it being like an emt and then working my way up like, hey i can be a safety like really yeah you know how much stuff you'd have to deal with there with how, how much public and kids and teenagers yeah and- i would have to like just be like oh well i guess i have to ride this roller coaster by myself it sucks for everybody gotta make sure it's safe <laughs> i would love my job mm. i'd be on that i would never i don't think i'd ever get tired of Making riding roller coasters now. Be no. Like 85. I'd be like that guy that you used to have on the commercials. Remember the old dancing dude? Oh, yeah. yeah I'd be like glasses, that guy all glasses. old. They had to play like a song or something. Yeah, it had a, uh, the Venga Boys, whatever. Probably the people Vanga that Boys. aren't from like Southern California have no clue. What yeah, everyone's like, what? Six Flags? <laughs> what is that? Well, I know people in Texas know. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Six Flags over Texas and a couple other spots, but I don't like Georgia. I don't, I don't know. I don't go to those places. Mm-hmm. But we digress. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of got a tangent there. Um, yeah, just understanding understanding the different government bodies that and regulatories and that mancom. I mean, if you have questions on any of those those bodies that we just talked about, they usually have a book. I know that they have both um, like the regulatory books, and then if for like especially for like trucking, they actually have like all the log books. They have like a whole kit. Uh, if you don't know about Hascom, whole kit you can buy all this stuff, and it's relatively cheap. And I know that you can get like on Amazon. That's usually where I go. I get get out most of my regulatory books on amazon mancom m-a-n-c-o-m-m great resource not a sponsor yeah not a sponsor yet gold standard gold standard is that how we're gonna uh, i don't know everybody I've never, that we everybody read get, one so i can't call it the gold standard everybody we get um uh sponsorship if, from this if the they gold become a sponsor they will be the gold standard they're gonna be the gold standard but yeah mancom is a great like i said a great organization and they they kind of uh, they don't dumb it down but they they write it in a way that you can understand and they have even like gray text that kind of explains, you know, how it should be, you know, enforced or applied, which is really good. Yeah. A couple things on regulatory. I think one of the big issues or not issues, what should I say? One of the big mistakes that I made in the beginning was 
taking people's words when they said that is the regulatory, like that is what you're supposed to be doing according to Cal OSHA, or that is what you're supposed to be doing when really a lot of the times I found out afterwards when I actually started reading the regulations. No, that is not, that's some rule that somebody made up that's saying it's Cal OSHA saying yes. to do it. And it's really not. And I think that's one that you, you yeah. kind of hint to an idea that, I, I kind of realize now there's a lot of misconceptions that misinformation. people have misinformation. Oh, well, that's a, that's a Kellosha rule or you have to do that or mm-hmm. this, you have to do this. Yep. And you remember, trust, but verify guys, that is your b- first of anything. Let's, let's go, let's go back all the way back to the front. If there's nothing you take away from this trust, but verify, go and find out no joke. Perfect example was offshore. We had rolling scaffold. Oh, I'm sorry. Correction. We had um, scissor lifts. I was like, well, you need fall protection for that. You know, fall arrest system, you know, harness and, and fall arrest. The guy goes, no, actually, uh, you know, they, he took a, he took the class to get qualified. He goes in my class. They told us that technically um, scissor lifts are considered rolling scaffolding. Whatever, bro. Let me go check. Holy crap. Checked out my mancom book. And yes, it is considered rolling scaffolding. So they don't have to tie off. As long as they have the the you know the top, middle, and bottom rail, and they're not above, they're not standing on the rails and stuff like that. And I was like, holy cow! And I actually went, that actually worked. Well, it didn't really work out because I didn't get the job. But I went on a job interview, and one of the interviews, uh, the second interview was to go out to the job site, and it was several construction sites around town. And he goes, okay, what do you see? And I go, okay, well, we have, in, we're looking for regulatory compliance. So even things mm-hmm. like sanitation and toilet, is there enough toilets for enough people? Is it close enough? And fire. You know, fire protection. And one of the things that I saw was them standing on the on the, the scissor lift. And he goes, well, how come they're not wearing fall protection? I'm like, oh, well, you know, scissor lift is considered rolling uh, rolling scaffolding, blah, 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 blah. He goes, oh, okay. But he ended up picking another guy. It's just fine. <laughs> no, it's okay. And it, you can't get them all, dude. Well, it's not, it's not that. I made a couple of mistakes. And I, I don't know. I had this. I went a little, I guess, a little overboard because I was even like, oh, yeah, that's DOT and this is that. And he's like, we don't, we don't care about that. I'm like. I'm like, what do you mean? Don't care. Like, a, like a, I'm more of like a, a whole picture kind of guy. Like, I care about all the safety. I don't care, right? Even at home, I want you guys to be safe. But you know, he was like, Mo, we're kind of more just worrying about our liability. And I think that that kind of transitions into our next knowledge base is not just the the regulations, but all of the crappy jobs that come up all the time. And I mean, crappy jobs is you have employees who are legally sensitive so we're talking about people with ada hr issues um workers comp you know all that all that kind of stuff um unfortunately for us safety people we're very friendly we're very open we're out we're you know typically we're the management that comes out to the field and does audits and stuff and people like to talk to us especially if you have good leadership skills they're going to tell you things that you don't want to hear mm-hmm. <laughs> oh hey i i have a, a pre-exposed medical condition and my boss is is not uh, allowing me to um i don't know transition or what is the uh, i can't be accommodated that's the word i was looking for they're not accommodating me in my my um my disability and you're like god why did you tell me god why sexual harassment's a big one especially if you work in any construction field uh that's that's very difficult is dealing with the sexual harassment stuff but just understand as much as you can i'm not expecting everybody to be an expert but have a good base knowledge because you can be held liable not only in court but with your company if you make mistakes 
right? If you don't report or if you don't, you know, take action. So definitely I've, I've seen it several times, bullying, harassment, sexual harassment. Uh, yeah, just a bunch of different stuff and that I hate, I hate dealing with it. I really do. I was like, can we all just get along? But unfortunately that's, it lands in our wheelhouse and we have to be able to, okay, cool. Hey, I'm going to talk to the supervisor. I'm going to go talk to HR. Cool. Now I can wash my hands of it and be like, that's on you guys know you guys handle this is your wheelhouse but being in that manager position right because if you're you know typically if you're over other people like a supervisor you're considered management now you fall into that supervisor role where you have to have the certain amount of sexual harassment training and all this other stuff uh workers comp we had a great episode actually um we had a, a shout out to sean on one of our emails we'll talk about that a little bit later um realize how workers comp works learn how injuries illnesses days away from work all that affects insurances right i mean you oh, I forgot, you said 10. you don't deal with that huh i until recently uh it's not like you're like directly I, I wasn't out there contacting the insurance companies really yeah. or anything like that i handled the medical management taking them to the doctor and then somebody else would handle the insurance and the x yeah, and all that stuff they'll send out the the report saying hey this guy got injured mm -hmm. in workers comp so yeah just understand uh not just workers comp but um employment law know what you can can't do when you can and can't fire somebody mm -hmm. um i think we talked about this before about um incentive programs understand incentive programs and how they can affect your your bottom line because a lot of places are you know either against it or for it um definitely with the with the laws with employment laws making sure that you 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 tote that line because it can be really quick when we go oh well we're going to get rid of this guy because he had an accident. Oh, well, so you're firing him for having an accident or reporting an accident. Okay, cool. Now you have a lawsuit. Um, we've talked about a couple episodes ago as well is making sure that we take care of our employee, right? Because if we have an employee that gets hurt on the job and we say it doesn't happen on the job and they go back and say, hey, I got injured on this job, but they said they denied my workers comp claim. Now they're going to go find a lawyer. And you know, these ambulance chasers make a lot of money. And make a lot of money. So understand employment law as well. Yep. I think uh, it's it's so like everything that we're talking about is so diverse, like you said in the beginning. Yeah, you don't really think about it until you kind of like list it. You're like, oh, wow, we have to deal with a lot. And one of the other things is like, depending on where I've been in my career, I've had random pieces of things like that that I had to in. do. Yeah, like yep. so like when I in one on one job site I worked at, our HR was like hours away from us. And so for some reason, everybody assumed that safety handled human resources responsibilities on the site. Right. So people are asking me questions like you just said, like, hey, how do we deal with this new minimum wage law? Hey, how do we deal with time and break things? Hey, how, and then, yeah. like, I'm just supposed to know this stuff. Yeah, time and breaks so, and what's the prevailing wage. And like, no, I didn't get into safety for this. And, and I know some roles where the safety guy is the HR. Yeah, there's a lot of companies where that is the same person. Yeah, the HR person is your safety manager, is your safety tech. I'm like, wow, I could not imagine having, you know, 300 people where you manage everything. That mm -hmm. would be that would be difficult. You probably don't even get paid that much too. That's probably the worst part. <laughs> Most companies that if you have like one person doing three things, you're not probably getting paid for the same same three people. I would say probably like the last the last two would be like communication. Of course, that's a big one. We we talked about that a little bit in the previous episode, but making sure you understand, you know, when you're talking to different levels, right? Know your audience, 
you know, talking to your, your base level employees versus talking to your management. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you can, you can touch a lot about on, on coaching your employees on who, who they're talking to, right? Especially like presentations. Yeah, definitely. That's something that, uh, hopefully you have a mentor to help you there because you want to know the differences when you're talking to the people in the field and when you're talking to a customer or a CEO or something like that. Um, but I mean, I, I guess that's not a really, is that a knowledge that you would come into an entry level with? Maybe just kind of understanding that you need to know there is levels. Just, yeah. Just understand. Um, I mean, I think unless you've, unless you live with mom and dad and then, you know, you somehow just landed a safety job right out the gate without having a previous job. It happens. You know, no, I've I've, seen- I hired a guy that lived with his mom and dad. He didn't really have a safety job, but he, he came in as a entry level guy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially guys like that, then you would definitely do the coaching. But I would feel like most people would have some type of knowledge or experience saying, hey, you know what? I understand that I can't talk to the customer the same way I talk to my best friend. Some people have no filter, dude. They're just like, everybody's the same. I don't have a filter. I say some pretty messed up things. (laughs) But I know when to calm down the expletives around the senior management. Oh, for sure. Right. A little bit different. Uh, so I did want to ask you one question. So no. if there is one thing that you wish you would have done differently when you first started at safety or you wish you would have known before you got into a safety role, uh, would it be one of the things we talked about already? Mm, honestly, the one thing that I wish I had. Okay. So the one thing that I wish I had more knowledge before getting in full-time safety. So I've, I've had knowledge, education, experience, Everything. The one thing that I wish and I got obviously with with my first full time job, not not consulting Mm -hmm. was KPIs. And I mean, KPIs, I don't mean you're just your basic. Okay, here's our here's our, you know, first aids and stuff like that is being able to get data data analysis that right there was that's what I've always wanted because they just like here's here's our KPIs. I'm like, but okay, you got you gave me a, a pie chart with a bunch of numbers on it. That means nothing to me. I can't dissect this because i don't know where it's coming from or you know what division how many man hours there's so many ways that we can cut this pie up but because i don't have the the um the background information i didn't i or the data the data analysis portion i wasn't able to make any informed decisions and i've seen a lot of people make that mistake with like oh these are kpis oh man our our um our incidents are going down okay yeah but our man hours are going down Right. So you can technically have a downturn in man hours, but you'd have per man hour, you can have an uptick. Mm-hmm. Right. So technically you're, you're, you're thinking that, Oh, wow. Our, our company's safer because our incidents are down. No, we only had one incident this year. And last year we had four. Right. Well, last year we had six times more employees. Exactly. And so if you go by a, you know, man hour basis, boom. And so when I got into my, I was excited. My first time I got a full-time safety job where, you know, I had a location and a crew, everything was the same for you know the the duration i got to go in and see that that backside where all the audits were coming in and it was nice because i could i could fully see the picture right i would say oh yeah these are our numbers cool but what does that even mean oh we're finding out that our safety guys are doing this much more than our our supervisors our supervisors only finding you know two percent of all the hazards definitely seen that before and then you're like well what's going on and then then you can make the great decision this is where the money comes in you're like oh well see this is the problem is we have a culture issue and this is how we modify and that's how we make the changes and Again, it's that that second step, that advisor slash, you know, moving towards that manager position. Wow. So you're able to take the data, look at it and be able to decipher 
what actions to take rather than just, oh, here's our KPIs. Oh, 5, 10, 12, 9, 6. Okay, what does that mean? I don't know. Here's what it looks for the past. You know, I'm sure that's, that's what you've seen too. Here's our past three years. Oh, look, we're doing better. Yeah, but, you know, in 2017, it was at the height of the economy. Man, we had, you know, 10,000 man hours every month or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever your metric is. This this month, we're only doing, you know, 2,000. So, yeah, there is a downturn. But what was the downturn because of? Oh, it was mostly because of less people, mm-hmm. right? More work equals more risk means more opportunity for injuries. So, that's why I like using man hours to to be that little kind of, like, leveler across the board like oh wow see yeah even though we had let more um incidents this year we also had a lot more work but by the man hour in this you know in this range this is what we're finding or even better hey yeah we know we we're finding less we're finding more hazards in the job site wise because we're doing more audits or supervisors are doing better audits and that's, that's something that we've seen in previous jobs is the the, the audits were, were just bad they mm-hmm. were just you know the system was that if you had an audit finding, then you have to talk to the ops manager. The ops manager would chew you out, and then you're like, you know, you'd probably hate your supervisor, and that makes that makes for a lot of cl- conflict that you don't want. So the supervisor would just be like, oh, I didn't find anything. But I then think- the super- safety would come up behind him and find, yep. you know, I would definitely find like five, ten things. That's my job, right? I mean, hey, I, I gotta, I gotta eat too. I gotta justify my my existence, right? Because if I'm not finding things, they're like, well, Joe, how come you're not finding things? Because I'm incompetent? No, it's because. I don't want to hurt feelings. No, we got to find out these things so we can build trends and all this other stuff. Right. When we start getting the supervisors to actually find stuff, they're like, why are we having so much more, you know, out of compliance issues? What's going on? Like, Oh, the supervisors are doing a better job. What? Yeah. We've, we've taken away that stigma that if they find something, they're going to, their employees are going to be in trouble. Now they can find stuff and help us, you know, build better trends and find out where the next entry is going to be. That's the thing that I wish I had more when I was getting into it. Cause that they, like I said, they were just, here you go. Here's your, here's your KPIs for the past four or five years, you know? Okay. You know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. I mean, like, do you have any, you know, the back information? Oh no, we don't have that. Okay. So, you know, that's definitely the data analysis. I think that's, that's key to really getting the picture of what's going on in, within your company. And that, I think that right there will help you, you know, build a lot of bridges mm-hmm. and gaps within your, within your knowledge base. Hopefully you have a good mentor for that because I think I think that is one thing where education would definitely help that that knowledge base and that skill because those are being able to manipulate data and stuff is a lot of things that you'll learn in uh, college. So, yeah, well, it doesn't have, remember the education doesn't have to be college. It can be other no. things, too. OK, I mean, uh, formal uh, college education. No, you can learn. I could teach that outside of the college setting just you could having somebody have that knowledge and educating you yeah but i'm saying yeah. I, I was just saying like uh people that go to college that's one thing you learn in college yeah is, you do is how to manipulate they do have you build a lot of charts yeah so a lot of charts you kind of get a little leg up in that area what about you what, what would be the one thing that you would have you wish you could have had um i think the one thing that I, I was going to mention yeah <laughs> it was definitely that Scarecrow. was um I, th- I don't know if i've ever if i've ever mentioned it in another episode before but I think one thing that I wish I would have done more of or I would have known to done more of is uh, how to document things better. Everything we talked about, HR stuff, uh, people coming to you with ADA stuff, incidents, any any of that stuff, if you don't document it correctly or you don't have documentation behind it, yeah. that can lead to Actually, a lot of trouble. A, that's something we didn't talk about for sure. Documentation, understanding mm-hmm. how to control documents and, yep. and it put, input them in, and making sure you're very detailed in your response. So that way... I think you know as well as I do, making sure you put as much detail because later on, 
you're going to forget. And then on top of that, if you're doing incidents or somebody is, let's say somebody does get hurt and you're, you're putting this stuff into paper files. Now, now let's think about HIPAA and let's think about who's, who has access to these files. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that go into documents or, or and document even worse. control. And this guy decides he's going to, he's going to sue. Crap. Where's that documentation at? Exactly. Is it filled? I could tell you many times of, of times where I've been called, Hey Joe, I need this file. And I'm like, okay, well, I, you know, it was, it wasn't me. Cause I, I learned documentation in my EMT. Uh, uh Oh, what do you mean? Uh Oh yeah. We don't have a DWC one on here. Uh Oh, <laughs> did we give him one? Yeah, I swear. I'm sure we did. Oh, uh Oh, that's not good. Documentation. Gets documentation. You in trouble. Yeah. When we get audited by a customer or by OSHA because of an incident or something, they uh, want to see everything. What's the very first thing they're going to ask for? They're going to give me a list of this like is all of the documentation this, that I want to see. This and that. Anything yep. that happened with this incident, training. What happened that day? What kind of hazard analysis? What kind of SOPs do you have in place? What procedures? Where's your I, where is it on your IP? Whatever it yep, is. Yep, all that stuff. Document it's all documentation. Yeah, because it's easy for them. Then like you said, they actually have a checklist. And if there's a check on there, yep. guess what that means? A fine. Oh crap. Now I gotta explain to my boss. Yeah, well, we didn't have an IPP or we didn't have you know, the DW1C, now we got to find for that. What do you mean you got to find for that? Just for not having the paperwork? Yeah. Like, are you sure you can do your job? No? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely documentation. It's sometimes it doesn't seem important in the moment. Right. But it's extremely important later. It could be extremely yeah, just important for, for later disclosure, on. I hate using uh, acronyms and people not knowing, but DW1C is just the form that you give your employees that's saying that they got hurt. You're supposed to give it to, give it to them immediately. As soon as you know about the injury... Have them fill it out. You fill out your portion. You give them a copy. Boom. And then you put your copy into their like employee file or whatever data management that you guys use. Put it into the system immediately so you don't lose it. Because they're going to ask you, well, where's your DW1C? Oh, it's right here, right? Because I know for a fact when usually when you get sued, that's the first thing. Hey, did, did you guys have a DW1C? Yeah, this employee said that he didn't get one. Oh, that's weird because it's right here. Here's where he signed. Oh, okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think we have enough uh, for knowledge today. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, like you said, there's there's a lot of, of room for growth and and being able to expand your knowledge and learning all the different facets of of safety. So I would say definitely always be on the on the search for additional knowledge and getting better at, at key areas. Um, let's go to our mailbag. So we've actually had quite a, a bunch of buzz, right? So everybody knows we have a, an Instagram and a lot of people are starting to like our Instagram page and all the all the funny memes that we've the got The popular going. safety guys. The popular safety guys. That's the Instagram handle. Instagram handle. Um, Reddit too. Uh, we've been doing different things like polls and, you know, just a lot of people have been asking questions about um, certifications. You know, we did just an episode about that. So I know there was some, some questions about the GSP versus the ASP. Should I go for the GSP? And not get my ASP because I can go for my CHS, uh, CSP, I'm sorry. Uh Um, We talked a little bit about that. So if you guys go on some of these, you know, Reddit pages, uh, professional safety, uh, safety, safety professionals, whatever. Um, Yeah, you can find us out there. We're we're definitely in the chat. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to be a little bit more um, um, getting people involved. I think that's more important. I want I want safety to be more about the uh, more in the conversation in in public you know i want people to be thinking about safety a little bit more often than they really do because i think right now a lot of people are kind of thinking just about safety at work oh i'm at work safety but they're not thinking about safety at home and that's obviously where a lot of injuries happen too so i think by getting these reddit pages and instagram people will kind of be like oh wow okay that's kind of funny like it'll just get in the back of their mind they're thinking oh that's yeah i get that that's kind of like a safety reference okay um, and then we actually had an email come in and they were actually talking about, you know, our insurance episode and how they felt really 
empowered and they learned a lot about the the processes that you know that go on in order to to ensure companies in case of a loss so yeah and on top of that uh they they kind of disagreed with some of the things that were said in one of the episodes which we are completely yeah. happy to yeah i love receive. i love, I love that viewpoints. Stuff. i love to get people come on here and debate like oh i don't think that's the, the proper way to handle that yep um so yeah you know reach out to us at the culture of safety at gmail.com gmail. yeah the popular safety guys on instagram yeah i think you can, you can direct message yeah you can dm on instagram oh, yeah i don't know facebook there's instant facebook Messenger. yeah we have this facebook page Reddit has dm um reddit you know you guys if you guys go to any of those safety pages we try to be a little bit more you know interactive there and there's even it. a culture of safety uh subreddit so if you go to the culture of safety subreddit you can leave a question or comment yeah, directly there. question comment um, yeah, just reach out if you guys want to be part of the show. You guys think there's something we can add or something we, we definitely need to improve upon? Definitely, for sure. Give us a shout out. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Later.